Chelsea, this week's intro is actually kind of a follow-up on my previous episode. Not per se anything that's like from that episode. It's just more on the why lawns and lawn-adjacent things are kind of shit. Okay. This comes from The Guardian. It was posted on March 10th, 2023 and written by Tom Perkins. Title, Artificial Turf Potentially Linked to Cancer Deaths of Six Phillies Baseball Players. Report. What? A report on a possible link between a rare brain cancer that killed six professional U.S. baseball players and toxic chemicals in artificial turf is raising a new round of questions over whether synthetic sport fields pose a health threat to athletes and others who use them. The six athletes who all died from glioblastoma played most of their career with the Philadelphia Phillies, a team that for decades competed on artificial turf in Veterans Stadium, the Philadelphia Inquirer reported. All artificial turf is made with toxic PFAS compounds, Mm. something that we've heard about many a time as a forever chemical. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And some types are still produced with recycled tires that can contain heavy metals, benzene, volatile organic compounds, and other carcinogens. And a growing number of U.S. municipalities and states have outright banned or proposed banning them. The Phillies players' deaths are more evidence that regulators need to prohibit synthetic fields, said Kyla Bennett, a former Environmental Protection Agency scientist, now with the Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility nonprofit. Quote, there is a high number of Philadelphia Phillies diagnosed with this rare cancer and it looks weird, so that should be a red flag. We don't know what those chemicals are doing to us, what happened to exercise and caution when we're talking about human health, end quote. Great question. However, all brain cancer experts who have spoken with The Guardian or were quoted in previous stories on the Phillies' deaths cautioned that it is impossible to prove all the ballplayers' cancers were caused by PFAS from the turf. This is a quote from a neuro-oncologist that they're talked to. The bottom line is anything in the world is possible, but what's plausible and provable are totally different things, said Henry Friedman, a neuro-oncologist at Duke University who treated two of the players. Quote, there is no way to now say if these chemicals are there, they are causing the tumors. End quote. The federal government estimates about 12,000 synthetic turf fields exist in the U.S. and at least 1,200 more are installed annually. Only five professional baseball players still use synthetic fields, the Inquirer reported. Several layers comprise synthetic fields, plastic grass blades, plastic backings that hold the blades in place, and infills that weigh down the turf. Until recently, infill was always made with recycled rubber tires called crumb rubber, which EPA testing has found contains high levels of dangerous chemicals, which we've actually talked about in another episode before. Yeah, so many things coming up. PFOS can be ingested, inhaled, and absorbed through the skin or even enter the body through open wounds. Phillies ballplayers competed on artificial turf between 1971 and 2003, and six former Phillies died in their 40s and 50s, about three times the rate of the adult male general population. Uh. But researchers noted that the age group in which they died is at higher risk for the disease, and that could skew the results. Experts have said other factors could contribute, like pesticides used on grass fields, chewing tobacco, or drug use, or concussions. It seems weird that concussions would lead to cancer. It does seem weird. I don't know. I'm not an oncologist, so I can't tell you much. (laughs) I think that's enough of that article. Chelsea, anything you want to say? No, so that just proves, well, yes, I guess I could add some stuff into there. No, you're Uh, refusing. (laughs) You just need to say a few things. I mean, it just goes to show that maybe they should be playing on a bed of flowers. Would be safer for them. And they bring up smoking and stuff like that, but with smoking that's a decision that you're making when it's artificial turf and it's your job to be playing on something like that that's causing you could also say that nobody forced them to make millions of dollars playing baseball but 
that. I think that's a shitty argument, though, especially when you know yes. kids also play on these fields. It's true. So. And also, when you get hurt on the job, too, that's like nobody forced them to do that thing that was making money for their livelihood. And I personally have not heard a solid argument that just turning the field into a forest and or meadows wouldn't drastically improve the sport of baseball. I think it would. I would be more intrigued. I can't say I would watch it still, but more intrigued I would be. <laughs> and that's what I had to add. <laughs> and with that, we can go right into this episode. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, the podcast that journeys through the fringe. Maybe one day we could do a podcast called Return from the Fringe and really complete that loop. But for now, we just kind of drop you guys off and say see ya. We are your neglectful tour guides and podcast hosts, Taylor and Chelsea. And today, Chelsea appears to have found an asshole of the UFO community. Chelsea, am I correct? In found one. Yep. Okay, perfect. You're correct. I always love a good asshole. Please don't take that out of context, anybody. <laughs> and I am going into this blind because I have no idea who this guy is. And I wonder, I have a feeling I know what a return from the fringe would look like, but I'd really like to see it come to life. But today I'm excited because I did find, just on a whim in Reddit, I totally forgot this guy existed. I know Taylor says he has no idea who this guy is, but I'm about to prove him wrong because he does know who it is. And this guy, he won't let us down on our asshole, what do you call it? Journey to the Fringe Love of Asshole episodes, I guess. This person is Stanley Romanek. The person I'm going to talk about is, quotation, the centerpiece of the most documented extraterrestrial contact story in the world. And the multitude of evidence he has collected over the 13 years challenges conventional beliefs, end quote. And that quote I just read to you comes from his documentary. It's the first quote that <laughs> flashes across the scene, followed by many more and does it yeah. say who said it no just this it guy not. if it's unaccredited i just kind of hope it's david wilcock but you know he would never let his name go uncredited it didn't say physicist true <laughs> so, i would also hope this is david wilcock but i'm gonna talk about this documentary david wilcock does not show his face in it so there's also two more unnecessary minutes of more quotes but i'm not gonna bore you with that at this time do you have any guesses at this point who he is 13 years biggest ufo thing yeah. in history most evidence most evidence challenges conventional beliefs his name as far as i know is not associated with oh what's the one in britain like the two big ones i think of is roswell which isn't that great after the end of the day and oh what's the name of the forest rendlesham rendlesham forest not even close do you recognize yeah. the name no okay so just based on that quote i wouldn't have any idea either so let me just go post this general do you want it sure I'm about to blow your mind who i'm talking about you know look at this and you're gonna know exactly so, have you ever seen the infamous gray alien oh God, yes, in I the know window exactly. video? <laughs> affectionately known as the Boo video. <laughs> yeah. That, my friends, is Stanley Romanek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> okay, so that's who we're talking about, this guy. Wait, did you know he's an asshole? Do you think he's going to be an asshole? I suspect, mostly because okay. we've already kind of preordained him. <laughs> 
That's true, we did. I heavily influenced that thought. And we are very impartial (laughs) podcasts. Clearly the guy's an asshole. We mostly only do assholes as our only interest, as we said, going into this. So after a quick Google search to see what was up with Stanley, I have to put it out there right now that this Stanley is not to be confused with this other Stanley on Instagram, who also goes by Stan Romanek. That's his name. He doesn't just go by it. Who is Carpenter (laughs) slash owner at Level Home Improvements. He goes on to say in his Instagram bio, I'm not the guy that was abducted by aliens, so stop friend requesting me, you lunatics. So I'm just putting that out there at this time. Can we interview that guy? (laughs) I'm sure he has some good stories just on... um... I didn't even try based on his intro on his Instagram. Okay. Okay. The Stanley we're talking about is not Carpenter owner. He is Stanley Tiger Romanek. <laughs> I'm not even shitting you. And is an alien experiencer. I think that's how you would describe it. He has many claims starting in the year 2000, which this is how his encounter starts. December 27, 2000. The first UFO seen by Stan was in the daytime at the location of Alameda and Jewel in West Denver. Brackets Lakewood. I don't even know if that's relevant. When first observed, he says it was about 50 feet from Stan's car. <laughs> I don't know why he's talking in the third person. Maybe there's another Stan. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was Carpenter owner Stan. <laughs> <laughs> Before they're falling out. (laughs) Directly above the level of power lines along the side of the road. Was keeping pace just ahead of my moving car at about 40 miles per hour. In the air at a slight angle forward. Approximate size was that of a minivan. I slowed, then stopped my car, as did other cars and their drivers observing this object. After a few moments, the object instantly popped to a higher height several feet up, causing an intense sonic boom that was felt on my (laughs) car. That was felt Sorry. on my... <laughs> can, we, can we go back? It, it moved several feet or several hundred yes. feet? Hundred feet. Okay. I missed a hundred. Several hundred Okay, that makes up. much more sense. Sorry about that. <laughs> I just, for the life of me, I could not see a sonic boom coming from three feet of movement. And him just being like, oh yeah, that's gonna sonic boom. It moves so freaking fast. Okay, but here's how he knows it was a sonic boom, because he felt it on his clothes and his body. Other than the sonic pop, the object made absolutely no sound. At this point, the camera was ready to film, and the video was taken. End quote. So, what else happens to Stanley Tiger Romanek that would make him an official experiencer to the links that we read on the quote? Well, he felt it in his clothes. Isn't that enough? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He felt he felt the whole being of uh, being an experiencer in the core of his clothes. But let's talk about what else makes him a diabolical experiencer. So he frequently witnesses UAPs, apparently extremely frequently, like all the time. The odds are so slim that he would be experiencing them this often, but he does. Abduction experiences. So this includes aliens following his car, visiting his home. In one account, he woke up wearing a lady's flannel nightgown. Okay, and this one gets weirder. Okay, so obviously he was abducted and the clothes were confused with other abductees. Obviously, there's no other answer than they definitely belong to Betty Hill. (laughs) (laughs) But the DNA tests were too expensive to prove they were Betty Hill. (laughs) We just have to assume. Yeah, we're assuming. We're just trusting Stanley Tiger Romanek at this point. I quite like that fact. We're not even like into this yet. 
No. We got that little tidbit. Chelsea, I feel fairly confident about at least the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. Yeah. I don't remember a single part of it where Betty awakens naked or wearing somebody wearing, previous's yeah. clothes. No, you don't. Or being abducted in the 90s. No, he's stretching it at this point. <laughs> at this point, this is beginning. I don't know if he's trying to lend some credibility to himself, but this is only the first thing it goes on. So, so it goes on. What else makes him a diabolical experiencer? Well, of course, being implanted with alien artifacts, having sustained multiple mysterious injuries inflicted by aliens. And some of these implants glowed under black light. He was an experiencer of not only telepathic communications with aliens, but also received communications through a ghost box and voicemails from aliens. So, in his ghost inbox? In his regular voicemail on his phone. Okay. Yeah. And a ghost box is it's one of those things that it just goes through different like radio frequencies. Oh, yeah. And it's basically just static, but every now and then like has little yeah. like, ticks. Yeah. And I'm not sure the science behind how they think that it works to communicate with ghosts and stuff like that. That's how he says he was receiving communication with extraterrestrials as well. We also have that he is the offspring of an alien human hybrid. I need to assume at this point he didn't pay for the DNA test because they're pricey on that one too. <laughs> yeah, no, everything that comes with the cost is pretty much too pricey for him to prove anything. We've just got to kind of make don't. some assumptions. There's only so much money to go around. We're putting our full faith in Stanley Tiger Romanek right now. Poor Stanley Tiger Romanek. Yeah, he doesn't have that much money. This quote comes right from the Coast to Coast AM website for Stanley's bio. He says he's also found strange scoop marks on his body a number of times. I don't even know what the fuck that means. And like an ice cream bucket. Yeah. Like, I'm just picturing what that would look like on his body if it was like an ice cream scoop. He'd be like, concerned about bleeding out I don't know. What else do you scoop? I don't know. Like, the only <laughs> thing I can even think of is ice cream or mashed potatoes, and you're gonna but do the exact the, same thing. It's not the weirdest thing in this bio that makes him an experiencer. And then, my last point here is what makes him such a famous experiencer? Through work Working with therapist Deborah Lindemann, he retrieved memories of encounters with humanoid-like beings that he calls the possum people. He described them as having huge eyes, straggly hair, and long faces. They showed him visions of catastrophic earth events that include 600 miles per hour winds and major explosions, which he was told would occur in December of this year. Not sure what year that was, but let's just assume that that is coming on. That year is not 2023, gotcha. Yeah, it's not 2023 for sure. So it has become painstakingly clear through the journey I've taken that the big thing about Stan is that he can't corroborate a single fucking thing that he claims. Starting with, at least in this episode, that he woke up wearing Betty Hill's nightgown. I love that one. But he does, however, have this documentary called Extraordinary, Extraordinary, the Stan Romanek story. And extraordinary it is. IMBD gives this movie a magnificent an excessive 3.8 out of 10 and Ooh. I watched it well <laughs> I watched about three quarters of it I it just becomes unwatchable by the end of it and by the beginning so 
You're welcome because you do owe me a thank you for enduring that. And let me just summarize some of the weird ass things in this documentary that I would characterize as complete fiction. This literally covers pretty much every paranormal aspect you could think of. We got aliens, ghosts, orbs, shadow people, math, voicemails, documentaries with Stanley Tiger Roman up talking. It's so god awful. Like incredibly shaky home video footage for the first half with literally no talking other than Stan on these shitty videos. And what we do get are quotes that you have to read between flashes of like really crappy photographs and videos of what you assume to be a compilation of just bullet points of all this like incredible proof that he has written out and they just like will randomly flash across the screen like he witnessed all these UFOs and stuff like this with these (laughs) video footages that don't prove anything at all. I also just want to point out that literally all the videos and photos are so shitty they don't prove a fucking thing. Some are quite obviously fake. Others have absolutely no form of reference to what you're looking at or hearing. Some are literally just a black screen with conversation in which I would assume either was made illegally or staged. It would have to be. There's no other context for what they're talking about. Like at one point he's saying that there's a UFO. He woke up outside and he was abducted by a UFO and it's quite literally it just looks like a flashlight flashing into some bushes (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even shitting you so this is like Blair Witch Project (laughs) level of special effects it is and I think I make reference to that as well everything that he shows in these videos are things that have no reference and can easily be faked and it's like I can't remember when the documentary came out but it's not even like good it's not done with effects (laughs) like this would all have to be like things that you just were creative enough to try and fake on your own we have equations with literally no explanation given of said equations they just like kind of flash across the screen at some point in my mind that's to show his sanity that's what you want to do in a documentary like this yeah and the bullet point says that the aliens gave him this but it's literally just random numbers and at one point the drake equation comes onto the screen and (laughs) the bullet point on this one says that this is the drake equation except stan multiplies it by a (laughs) hundred So, there's that. Now it's the sand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he tweaked so, it. I don't know if someone is supposed to be like, like, this got to be real now. He multiplies it by I a I can't believe we skipped over that in the Drake Equation episode. No, we did miss it. We missed that huge step for mankind that Stanley Tiger Romanuk found out for us. The documentary also has random photos of UFOs with dates written across them at the bottom. Many more photos and video footage in which you have absolutely no idea what you're looking at. A lot of these UFO, there are some that you're like, okay, that could maybe be a UFO. Some of it's obviously not a UFO. Every single video and most photos are presented in a way that prove absolutely nothing, kind of like I said, and without the bullet point flashing across the screen that shared the encounter or proof, you would have no idea what you're looking at. We move on to paranormal investigators inside the house doing EVPs, which are just like computer voices saying things. Photos of shadow people, and I say that with quotes because most of them are just clearly someone standing in front of the flash of a camera. (laughs) There's photos of Stan roughed up with bleeding noses. This actually comes up again because we see the same photos reused in the documentary for another part that I'm going to talk about. And it actually gets quite hilarious because he starts talking in circles and using 
using the same information for different circumstances where he needs it to fit. Then he literally has photos of his computer typed out that say you can't hide on it. <laughs> so this is what I mean by you have no proof that this is an actual threat from somebody. Nobody could do that. It has to be someone who broke into his house and threatened him. Absolutely not proof of anything. Photos of melted drugs, which the aliens melted for some reason. Prescription Why are they drugs. such dicks to drugs? I know. It's not like you Turns also out the real assholes were the aliens the whole time. Just... I should have just done that for the episode. Then we get some voicemails. A woman robot voice just saying someone is surveilling him, but they can't tell him who they are, calling him a starseed. Now, what I'm wondering by the point this is happening, this all seems so randomly put together. Yes. It's not a coincidence. It does seem randomly thrown together in the documentary as well. But at this point, when he's getting random voicemails from these aliens and they're calling him starseed, what I'm wondering is what the fuck would these things theoretically want with this guy? Because he kind Kind of seems like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, outside of his claim to fame in the UFO community, like where does his money come from? No idea. Okay. In this documentary, you don't really hear from him at this point in regards to anything. At this point, in my opinion, I'm like, what do they ha see in this idiot? The whole documentary, all we've heard him say in these videos so far is like, what is that? I passed out. What the hell is that? Holy shit. <laughs> and so on. Because he's shocked at what he's seeing. So he does doesn't seem so extraordinary to me. You think he would be like normalized to yeah. it at this point. And he never stops being shocked by it while it's been happening for so long. So at this point, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. They seem to have some sort of very big interest in him as if they want something from him. If they're sticking around him this much and harassing him by voicemail. And also he's receiving these threats on his computer. Then all of a sudden, there are children contacting Stan. Weird, given what we find out later in this episode. That's enough foreshadowing at this point. But at one point, Stan is outside taking a photo of a cat. We see these photos. There's a cat like running around the yard. When there's a bullet point that says a kid jumps out from behind the barbecue. And sure enough, the next photo that pops up is a very poorly photoshopped giant head of a child. <laughs> it is so obviously photoshopped behind a barbecue added to the photo obviously at a later date it's very obviously not in the actual photo it's not even to scale with what you would think a child's head would be in there maybe it's just a really tiny barbecue you don't know it could be or just an extremely like a child with elephantitis or something yeah oh what's the just, name of that where they have water in the head yeah, hydro yeah, it would something have to be water hydrocephalus water. i can't remember that sounds like it could be right but i don't know <laughs> It's literally just an abnormally large child's head behind the barbecue, like behind pegs of the deck. Really weird. Okay, so you get the gist of the encounters here. They're random. They make no sense. We're trying to make sense of what's going on in this documentary. About halfway through, we get to another part of the episode, which I wasn't expecting, and it's the interviews. It's called macrocephaly, just in case people were curious. Okay. We were wondering. We get to the interviews. So the interviews start off with like a bunch of random people. You have no idea who they are. Who's Stanley? They're just explaining who Stanley is. Like randomly, one person was like regular guy. He wears shorts and socks and a shirt. Another guy comes on and he says, answered questions quickly, appropriately. I was impressed. <laughs> Literally. That's all he said. <laughs> 
goes to the next guy. So then finally we get to hear from Stanley himself. And now I'm going to say right here that these are Stanley's words describing his life, not mine. Let's not mix this up. I am not paraphrasing or anything. I'm letting you know right from Stanley's mouth. And this is where it gets very good because now we're like, okay, maybe we're going to get some context for what the fuck's going on. And it's actually going to make sense at this point. Yes. Exactly. And in a sense, it does start to make sense because we get to hear from Stanley. And it does all start to come together in a very different way. It really does. Stanley comes on and says he grew up at severe dyslexia. And he goes on to say, quote, Stanley's words. I'm going to tell you one more time. Quote, I was always put uh, in special ed classes with the retarded kids, end quote. Now, for reference, this documentary was made in 2013. There we go. Ten years ago. It's not like this was so long ago that this was a totally appropriate thing to say. So then he goes on to say, literally in the next breath, quote, I had gang members around me all the time because of the neighborhood we lived in. The Crips on one side, the Bloods on the other, and they were constantly fighting amongst themselves and I was always, you know, stab wounds and stuff like that. <laughs> I was always caught in crossfires. End quote. Chelsea, this feels like an awkward <laughs> question to ask, but is Stanley White? Yes. Okay. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> Shot in the dark. At this point, I'm like, okay. <laughs> What? So then it, it goes on. There's more quotes here that I wrote down. So quote again, requote. They used to pick on me a lot because number one, I was the only white kid. Oh, that would have answered your question immediately. Because they stabbed him. Yeah. By picking on, they stabbed him. God. Number two, I had a learning disability and I had to learn to fight because of it. Everybody beat me up and so I had to beat everybody else, including the principal. Wait. Of the high school I went. So, End quote. This is supposed to tell us in his own words who he is or to bring everything together. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but boy, is he telling it. He is saying stuff. I have no reason to not believe some of this stuff. Now, at this point, I'm still wondering what the fuck do these aliens see in Stanley? <laughs> but... They wanted to stab him. They took scoops out. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a stabbable face, is what I'm gathering. Okay, oh, holy shit. There's some, okay, it goes on. So we're privy to some hypnotherapy sessions done by Deborah Lindemann for MUFON, which he talks about his alien hybrid babies that he has. At one point, Stan claims to have been riding his bike to work when he was confronted by a van full of four, obviously paramilitary, quote quotes, men who intend to intimidate him into silence. A fight breaks out, and Stan not only says, now that he grew up in southwest denver so he knew how to fight a little bit after his fucking crazy story about the crips and the bloods and then he goes on to describe his sweet fighting moves including how he used a bicycle chain as a weapon that allowed him to easily dispatch his attackers before they flee so like i said earlier he uses like five minutes later he tells a story that completely contradicts the other one that he told yeah. and then we see the same 
pictures flash across the screen of when he said the aliens abducted him and like people were out to get him and stuff. We see him with like black eyes and stuff. We see those same pictures again flash across the screen for this encounter. So I don't know (laughs) if he thinks we're idiots watching the documentary or what's going on at this point. But that's a fuck enough of this shit. That's the documentary. Wow. I know. Um, I have to say at this point, he seems of the assholes we've talked about, the one I want to meet the least. Just because with all the rest of them, I'm fairly certain on their fighting ability. This guy, I've got no idea. It might be really good. It might be terrible. I would like to just read some user reviews from the IMDb about this documentary. One out of ten, a disturbed individual. One out of ten, unintentional comedy goals. (laughs) This generation's the room. A cry for help. One out of ten, good grief, starseed. Ten out of ten, I've never laughed so hard. One out of ten, total waste of time. One out of ten, obviously a scam. One out of ten, horrible, Stan should be ashamed. One out of ten, this is a documentary. (laughs) Ten out of ten, the Stanley Romanette comedy. One out of ten, this is embarrassing. Who cares? If you already believe, then go ahead. If not, this won't be the one to change your mind. One out of ten, oh dear. Okay, so you get the gist. But let's move on. Let's talk about the Boo video that I showed Taylor, but not you. Let's talk about it. So not only did this video make its rounds around the internet, it was super famous. You see it, you know what we're talking about. So it does also appear in this documentary because of course it does. Why wouldn't it? The whole documentary is a smattering of poorly recorded videos. So the Boo video in all of its glory just makes sense. I'm going to describe to you the video. July 2003, Stan claims he was having trouble with peeping toms. So he decides to set up a camera facing out the popular peep show window to see what was going on, see if he could capture the peepers. Now get this, within minutes of turning the camera on, we see what appears to be a gray alien peer in the window. He just pops up. Then the gray alien ducks down, either having seen movement in the house or spotting the camera. Yeah, said, oh shit, a camera. Yeah, and then he rises again, peering through the window. This catches Stan's attention or something, and Stan comes over. And the alien ducks down out of sight again, and Stan looks down at the window and seems startled, I think, a little. That's the video in a nutshell. But what you don't see in any of these videos is what we see later after the video in the documentary, in the expanded director's cut, I guess. This is where we see the same Boo, who I'm assuming is the Grey. Maybe we named him Boo. I'm not sure what his name would be, but in the documentary we see photographs of this fine fellow around Stanley's house. Right after the Boo video plays on screen, a photo comes on the screen of the gray peering through the railing of his deck. Then another of what I assume to be some friends that are not seen again in the documentary, just a picture of his friends posing, with another gray vaguely in the background. You can tell this is not the same gray though. This one kind of looks like a balloon. (laughs) Then another one. This one's way off in the grass and the lawn. There's nothing literally for reference in the photo or size. So to me, they kind of look like they could have been just like a miniature gray. You don't know. There's nothing else in the video other than grass blades and 
Grace. <laughs> this one's good. Then the word flashes across the screen because remember, there is no one talking aside from the eavesdropping. And in quotes, this is what's flashing across the screen. A few times strange images were found on digital cameras. That's when we get some beautiful random gray selfies. Unfocused, round black gray eyes, unfocused slip for a mouth, the bottom of a round black gray eye, two nose holes, the bottom of a round black gray eye. It's literally just random unfocused gray selfies on a digital camera. Then we're blessed with another video right after the gray selfies. Random bullet reads, 030505, 12.45 a.m. I must point out that while the bullet point reads 12.45 a.m., in the bottom right of the screen, it says May 5th, 05, 3.10 a.m. So it doesn't even match up with what the fuck he's saying. This is what it says. Grandpa Gray and bright flashes of light woke up on the kitchen floor at 1.35 a.m. So now we have three fucking different times. I don't even know what's going on. I'm also not entirely sure what the fuck Grandpa Gray means. Anyway, in this video, the continuation of the Boo video, it starts outside in the driveway where Stanley says he literally is saying this in the video. No no one outside. We move inside the house and the camera zooms in on the fucking wall for some reason. So we're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with Stanley at this point. And while we're zoomed in on the wall, Stan goes, ah, oh my God, what the fuck is that? The camera then turns around and there's a gray literally squinting at this guy in disgust from around the corner. And he's just standing there fucking squinting at him. And Stan is fucking acting beside himself like, holy shit, what's it doing? Well, it's not moving is what it's doing. And it's suspended in all of time and space. And eventually it just kind of ducks out and Stanley goes, oh, where's it going? Oh my God, I can't believe it. Whimpering, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Holy shit. All the while, the camera is going Blair Witch on us, not focusing on a single thing, and might I add, the worst high-pitched voice acting I've ever heard. That's my play-by-play -play of the gray. What would you call it? The gray... The gray mask. What do they call the event in Japan? The incidents. The incident. The gray incident. That's, that's the gray incident. Grandpa gray incident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Romanek along with Jeff Heckman, who is just some random weird guy, appeared on Larry King Live in 2008, claiming to have recorded an alien peering into his window. On May 30th, 2008, Heckman publicly screened the video at the Metropolitan State University of Denver that forbid photos by reporters. So Heckman, I can't remember what he does. I guess I'll just tell you. No, I won't. That's as much as I tell you about Peckman. He was doing something to promote extraterrestrials at some point. How he got tied to him and was on Larry King? No idea. I know this is a podcast about this, but I can only do so much. In May 2008, Romanek was also interviewed on Coast to Coast AM. Host George Norrie suggested that Romanek take a lie detector test to prove the authenticity of his alleged alien video, to which Romanek agrees. When the test was conducted later in 2008, Romanek failed on the question, is the boo tape a hoax? Romanek claimed that he had a medical condition which prevented a lie detector test from working on him. Did he then try to fight the machine? <laughs> Funny, the only test he ever underwent to prove the authenticity of this, he failed. Yeah, it's too bad you can't do another one because, you know, they're too expensive <laughs> and you're sweaty yeah. or something like that. <laughs> it's a medical condition. His All his medication got melted by the ETs. <laughs> Did they ask him about that? <laughs> and yes, 
Yes, he was telling the truth on that one. At the 2009 Mysteries of the Universe conference, Romanek claimed that he was set up by Nori to fail the lie detector test. Nori's not that diabolical. Yeah, there's one thing that everybody knows about George Nori, and that he's a plotter. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> A video expert consulted by Romanet claimed that the Denver alien video would have cost 50000 to fake. <laughs> that could explain why he didn't have money to prove with the DNA test that the nighty was Betty Hills. However, the paranormal investigations team, Brian and Baxter, were supposedly able to reproduce the video for about $90. The original Boo video was uploaded to YouTube in August 2009, which quickly sparked popularity among the UFO and alien research community. So yes, you know the video. We go on. Appearing on ABC Primetime in 2009, Romanek made the unsubstantiated claims that he underwent hypnosis by R. Leo Sprinkle, a psychologist who specializes in alien abduction cases. He's come up on one of our episodes, but I can't remember where. The name doesn't sound and... familiar, so I can't help you with that. Really? No, I'm pretty sure he's come up, but that's neither here nor, <laughs> nor there because neither of us can remember. Romanek claims that under hypnosis he wrote out the Drake equation of course we know that he times it by a hundred which is a formula used to estimate the number of communicative extraterrestrial civilizations in our galaxy but times and then 100. added times a hundred to it yeah. he's so far ahead that that just proves some it would right say a hundred times yeah. ahead <laughs> Joe Nickel from the Center for Inquiry suggested the equation was done through simple memorization yes I mean yeah I can't say he's wrong on that <laughs> I mean why would the Drake equation be beamed telepathically to Romanek we did an episode on this and it was created by humans yeah <laughs> to math the number of civilizations Francis Drake he's up to some and, weird telepathic shit yeah so at this point I'm like why does that prove anything to do with aliens and why would the aliens know the Drake equation so yeah why would they it? need to they, they know they <laughs> yeah. exist and by extension that we exist so it's like yeah. a moot point and why would they have a specific equation for the, what exists in the Milky Way galaxy and why would it be exactly the same but times 100 and plus they know we're here so why would they be calculated I don't know it doesn't yeah exactly at this point I was like huh why is this a huge thing for him okay so in the same interview a real tell-all Romanek said that he had physical evidence of his abduction experiences by way of an alien implant in his leg when a medical test for the implant was requested Romanek said it disappeared those fucking aliens <laughs> yeah, I know. they're so crafty I would have blamed it on Maybe George that's what again. The, uh, either that or the squinty alien. He was totally up to something being all squinty like that. In yet another interview, this time in 2015, on the Peter Maxwell Slatery show, Romanek admitted to faking the strange movement of objects that occurred during a 2014 interview on the same show. Not really sure what they're talking about there, but maybe you do, and maybe that's important. While this says nothing about the authenticity of the Boo video, it has caused more skeptics to doubt the authenticity of the video, as it would. So now that that's out of the way, now can we talk about the elephant in the room? It's a big one. So, trigger warning, uh, viewer discretion is advised, and so on, for what's coming up next. On February 13, 2014, Romanuk was arrested after turning himself in at the Larimer Counter Jail on charges of possessing and distributing child pornography. The outcome of an eight 
eight-month investigation launched by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. More than 300 images as well as video files depicting child pornography were found on Romanek's computers. And after appearing at the Larimar County Courthouse, Romanek was released on a 20,000 personal recognizance bond. In 2016, Romanek pleaded not guilty to both charges after refusing a plea deal from the 8th Judicial DA's office. Also in February 2014, Romanek's wife Lisa said, quote, we will be taking ufology into the courtroom, end quote. And news outlets love that. They probably love that she said that. After the trial, their defense attorneys, Colorado law firm McClintock and McClintock, stated that they did not do this because it was not relevant to the case. They advised Romanek to appeal the conviction and hire new defense counsel to handle and appeal the case, which, according to Romanek's attorneys, is still standard advice. Following the announcement of the verdict, Lisa Romanek said that they plan to file a notice of appeal within the 45-day period. And I'm not sure if it says in here, but basically her argument was that people are trying to discredit him with the groundbreaking UFO information that he has. And this is the first time his wife came up. Is she usually involved in his stuff? She does appear in the documentary a little bit. It's all, you know, crazy shit. So she was in the documentary. Romanek made public allegations. Oh, here. I just said it to you, but it says it in the next paragraph. Romanek made public allegations that the government had planted the evidence on his computer. At the sentencing hearing, Deputy District Attorney Joshua Ritter accused him of deception to try to place blame on others and doctoring evidence in the form of videos false alleging that his computer had been hacked. Ritter disclosed that Romanuk had even tried to frame his stepson, Jacob Shattuck, for placing the pornography on his computer. The prosecutor pointed out that even the defense team would not allow such fabricated evidence in court. August 8, 2017, Romanuk was found guilty of felony possession of child pornography, but not guilty of distribution of child pornography. His sentencing was held December 14, 2017, where he was sentenced to serve two years in the Larimer County community corrections halfway house and to register as a sex offender. He reported immediately to jail to wait for space to become available at that facility. As a sex offender, he is now subject to 10 years of intensive supervised probation, not allowed to use computers or electronic devices on monitored, and not allowed contact with children under 18 without approval from the community corrections program. What if they're just hiding behind his barbecue? (laughs) Exactly. But those were never real. <laughs> Let's admit it. I know you never saw it, but trust me. I have a feeling this is really going to hamper his electronic investigations into everything. I know, I know. I was just thinking that as I read it. Because that's all he did was walk around recording things, apparently. In 2017, Romanek's attorney, Ted McClint... McClint... McClintock. Jeez. McClintock. I cannot get this word out. McClintock stated that his client plans to appeal the conviction. To date, no appeal has been filed. The implementation of Romanek's mandatory sex offender program has been delayed several times and dragged out, with him making unverified claims that physical illness were keeping him from completely complying with the court orders. And I love this article titled, Man, Extremely Contagious Illness Prevents Court Appearance, a Colorado Alien Abduction 
author and convicted sex offender says he has an extremely contagious disease that prevents him from appearing in court. April 17, 2019, 2.22 p.m. Wow, he's actually like, he's a year ahead of his time. Yep. So Loveland, Colorado. (laughs) A Colorado alien abduction author and convicted sex offender says he has an extremely contagious disease that prevents him from appearing in court. The Loveland Reporter Herald reports Stanley Romanuk was scheduled for a status conference Tuesday, but presiding 8th Judicial District Judge Susan Blanco allowed Romanek and his attorney Allison Lee Rutenberg to appear via conference call. The purported contagious disease has led Romanek to miss several therapy sessions required by his sentence, which calls for two years of community corrections and at least 10 years of sex offender intensive supervised probation. Romanek was found guilty in 2017 of felony possession of child pornography in his Loveland home. Romanek was sentenced to two years in a halfway house in order to register as a sex offender. After these man-eating diseases caused him to miss several court days during his original sentence, Romanek was resentenced on November 30, 2020 to 10 more years of intense supervised probation. The judge expressed concern that Romanek was not taking responsibility for his crimes. And that, my friends, is asshole Stanley Tiger Romanek. Huh. Chelsea, I this didn't come up in your episode, but doing a little bit of Googling while this was going on, did you know Extraordinary is a trilogy? What? Yeah. It is? Yeah, it's done by a group called J3 Films, and it's called... So the first one's Extraordinary, the Stan Romanek story. Next one is Extraordinary, the seeding. And the third one is Extraordinary, the revelations, which came out in 2021. I had no idea. And I was just looking at it, and it might be on Amazon Prime. I'll have to take a look. Just listen to the names in this movie. Oh, no. Narrated by Jimmy Church, the deepest voice in the UFO community. And it also features names such as Richard Dolan, which is unfortunately not Richard Doty, that's a different guy. Yeah. Nick Pope, George Nori. What? L.A. Marzuli. This has a lot of names in it that are prominent people in the UFO community. I found it because I was looking at the movie and I looked at the director's name and he's associated with this company. So this might be something to look into for a future episode. For a future episode. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. I don't know how you can start a like <laughs> a series off with that episode, though. And then continue it on. Honestly, when I was watching it, I was like, at the beginning, I was like, Ugh this is shit. And I was like, I'm just gonna stick it out. I need to, like, do a a summary of what's in the documentary at least. At the very least of how like, so we can make fun of how shitty it is. And then he started talking and I was like, holy fuck. (laughs) (laughs) This guy changes his story in the documentary while you're watching it. Thinking we're all fools and we don't remember what he just said. Yeah, that's Stanley. And you see him even continue on once he goes to court. He continues to kind of lie about things. He just can't stop lying, yeah. He can't stop. And unfortunately, this guy doesn't have a law practice and law degree behind his name to back up some of his lies somewhat. There's literally, we have no idea where he came from. The guy was in the special classes in high school. Like he. Other than that, that's literally... The only thing, and he got stabbed by the Crips and the Bloods. That's all we have for reference of what he does. And yet, the aliens really seemed fascinated to want to make alien hybrids out of him for some reason. With his scoops. And call him Starseed. Maybe he was just really scoopable. Scoops and alien implants, which glowed under black light. I kind of want to give him the nickname Scoops. (laughs) Scoops. 
Tiger yeah. scoops. Stanley Tiger <laughs> scoops. <laughs> Romanek. So yeah, I I didn't expect this to go where it went as well. No. Oh, wow. I know. I was quite pleased with this episode. Yeah, it got a little dark at the end. It did get very dark, but it was also something I knew nobody was going to be expecting. Yeah. Huh. But something everybody is expecting now is the end of this episode. So yeah, um, it is, to be, it is if there is one expected yeah. thing to happen in this episode. It is that. And I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We are Dream to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh